Hey everybody, welcome back hey. to the Beast Theory. We got a suspenseful episode I for feel you like guys we today. It was it was the most cliffhanger of all the episodes so far. Super suspenseful cliffhanger. <laughs> uh, last episode we moved to Florida yep. and I was selling Cutco working crazy hours and it was very uncomfortable living in my parents' garage. Yep. And but it was more comfortable for him because he wasn't home all day. He was I gone. I was working a lot. Exploring, working, like going seeing the world. Hey, and I I wasn't just it wasn't fun and games. I was it working wasn't. my butt off. He was working. But the thing is, and what I've learned since then when I've worked a lot more since that point, it is a fulfilling, a more fulfilling life when you're working outside of the home yeah. it just is because you kind of feel i feel I like i would have tried places with you in a heartbeat you always said that but i still think you would have felt so antsy wanting <laughs> to get out and see the world and do other things it wouldn't have satisfied you so there's something that we didn't talk about last week's podcast that i want to talk about before we get into what the everyone's divorce waiting. letter you didn't identify it last time no i didn't but now we know. Now we know what it was. Before we get into that, though, I want to talk on a more, more upbeat subject really okay. quick uh, that that really happened within the time frame of the last uh, podcast story Okay. Uh, that we didn't I mention. I have no idea what you're talking about, by the way. Um, so, well, in the last episode uh, podcast, we moved to Florida. Yes. Um, and I was selling Cutco. Yes. But we didn't talk about how we started our very first YouTube channel. That's right before and beekeeping at the same time right but you know we talked about that that was horrible by the way it didn't work out as well as we thought we went <laughs> we <laughs> I forgot about this. okay wait let's just side note side story for really quick michael we didn't have enough money to buy a package of bees but we did have the equipment for bees because he some had bees, had some before some his smokers. he had bought that stuff before his mission so when we got back, we had the equipment, but no bees. But we had driven past this one house that we swore. It was on the way home. We swore we saw bees in it. Am I, I, it was a, an abandoned house in Florida that was like so overrun, overrun with plants. To give type. you some background context, as a beekeeper, I'm always scanning the horizon for a, yes, a swarm a of bees a yeah, that just might happen to be flying by that yep. I can go in and capture. Yep. And so as we were driving down this road, every time I drive down this road, I feel <laughs> like I'm seeing these bees flying in a line. And I recognize it because I've, I've been doing this long enough. He's like, I okay, say, I swear I just saw bees over there. I feel I know like there's, there's bees. something in this house and it's an abandoned home. Let's yep. just go check it out. So we park yep. the car and we go looking around this well, house. Well, first, before we go looking around, the, I think that, did we go and check to make sure there were bees and then we ran home and got all the equipment to get them? Yes. Okay. So Can I just say from my perspective? <laughs> yes, I'm Cody. Predicting that You're <laughs> right. <laughs> You're correct. So that's Cody. Crab. Not Maybe not for the reason you think, though. Yes, He's, he's our sound engineer here <laughs> and peanut gallery <laughs> commentator. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> we went and got all of our beekeeping equipment and shows up. we show up at the house to go and capture this, this swarm. swarm of bees. And they're really not a swarm. They're living in the house. They have a hive that they have built into the abandoned walls of this house. We didn't ask permission to do that, by the way. I remember looking up online to try to find out who owned the home. Yeah. And I think I determined that it was owned by a bank or something. So we were like, eh, so we're like, we can go steal some bees out of a wall. No one's going to know. Can, we, we had to take part of the I wall apart. Somebody. I think I did call someone. Yeah. I can't remember. I do remember. Okay. Because I didn't want to be like, I didn't want to get in trouble or yeah, something. I yeah. do remember calling somebody and they said, look, 
whatever you want to do, yeah. but don't sue us. I was if like, you get there's hurt. bees in the house. Yeah. So we get there, and you, ha- we literally had to crowbar part of the wall off oh, yeah. to get. They, were inside the they wall. had built their hive inside the wall. So we've got the suit on, <laughs> gloves, hat, and veil. We're totally covered from head to toe. There's no opening. And somehow I get stung through my bee suit multiple times. They were Africanized bees. These aren't kind. They Utah were not bees. normal. They were in Florida. They have Africanized bees, killer bees, Africanized killer bees. Those are the ones that that see a predator will and will swarm and, and sting hundreds of times until they die. That's the kind of bees they we were like. Honeybees. We're desperate. We want honey. They are Let's honeybees, but they're yeah. much more aggressive breed. They were not full African bees, though. No. They so, were they were mixed breed, so yes. they were very very aggressive. So bees. honeybees, were, the Africanized killer bees, were brought into South <sighs> America, and as they've migrated north, they've mated with the native bees, and because Africanized bees can't live in a colder climate, and so no. in order to be able to even survive in the cooler climate of Florida compared to they know, Central America, cross, they they inbred with bread. with other bees, and so they were more tame than real Africanized killer bees, but they were way more aggressive than any honeybee i've ever dealt with in my entire life (laughs) it was horrible but i wanted bees so we packaged this this colony we did it we did it we got those bees out of that house we got stung billions of times not billions i had probably at least five bees they were mean bees which is the most i've ever had with him very aggressive mean and we took them home we put them in the backyard and i remember every time i would go into the hive i'd smoke it and i'd open it up and they would all start swarming around me all and angry. And usually when you sw- when you smoke bees, they calm They're down really because calm. they start eating their honey because they think their hive is on fire. Yeah. So they they normally just a calm down. Whole different energy. The, oh my goodness. And you could tell they had a different feeling with them oh, too. Yeah. It was almost like we're going to kill mm. you. Leave us alone. Yeah, it was not good. That's that was their message that we got from them. So so beekeeping offended me in Florida and I, it just wasn't the same. <laughs> it offended you. <laughs> I was very upset this by that. This beekeeping has offended me. Well, the thing is, I love bees. Yeah, those were mean bees. And they, they it hated ended, me. It ended very badly. And I was very sad about <laughs> and that. And they didn't give us any honey at no, all. None. And I think they just left. They did. They didn't. We just went out there one day and they were all gone. Yep. They, they just gone. swarmed and went away. So, but. They're like, nobody's going to control us. We actually recorded that on our brand new YouTube channel. We actually started a YouTube channel in Florida and we started filming like the dumbest videos you could ever imagine that were terrible quality and you could barely hear what we were saying or see what we were doing <laughs> but we have it videos was prehistoric basically we have videos that we and all these we took on our <laughs> cell phone of james learning how to walk yes and like that was exciting earliest videos these were, ever. keep in mind these were taken on a cell phone that were the longest video you could get was like six seconds no, 30 seconds. 30 seconds? I think I could upload up to a minute on YouTube at the oh, time. Oh, okay. YouTube was a different world back it then, too. It was very different. And also, I knew nothing about video editing and recording yep. and production. And so, literally, wow. we started a YouTube channel That was because 2010. No, 2011. That was 2011. We started the channel because we were in Florida and Rebecca's family missed us. And we thought it might be a good opportunity for yep. them to get to see what we were doing yep. across the country. And it was a good idea. But the thing is, we were like, wow, mom just watched this 40 times. Whoa, how did the family watch this 100 times? Yeah, we never imagined <laughs> that other people would be watching We never thought anyone else was watching it but our family. We were just like, and then we call your family and be like, oh, so you watched this video a lot? And they're like, no, we never watched it once. And I was like, what? 
the heck? Like, hey, wait, you didn't even watch it once. Hey, who's watching our videos? <laughs> At least watch it once. <laughs> and, yeah. it, and we weren't getting more than a hundred videos, no, 100 or hundred views. views, or like if we got a video that had a hundred views, we're like, oh my gosh. It's going viral. Oh, it's happening. It's happening. <laughs> I think oh. at the time we knew that like you could make money from YouTube. Like it was an option. Yeah. But, but it was in the beginning stages. But of we knew really nothing about it. And we were that. just so new. We didn't really yeah. put a lot of effort in either. Well, we, we had other issues at yeah, that time. Which we're going to get into right now. Let's talk about it. So I was pushed to my wits end. I... I didn't feel comfortable being in Michael's parents' house anymore. I I just felt like I couldn't communicate the way that I communicated with my family. And I felt um, bad because I could see you shutting down. Oh, and I was. I was seriously shutting down. Like, I wouldn't joke. I wasn't my typical self. Yeah. Like, if and you saw me then, like, it was there. hurting me. It was yeah. making me unhappy. It was, it was not a good situation. And Michael... <laughs> We had learned a lot from living on the in Oregon on the property in the wilderness with his family about what I could and couldn't handle. But that was a different story because now we had a house, we had running water, we had a bedroom, we had, you know, a lot of the things that we didn't have then, but I still didn't have my mom nearby. I didn't have my family who's a huge support to me and who I communicate with all the time and talk to all the time. And it just wasn't the same for me. And... um. Michael was used to his family, but I wasn't, and I didn't know how to handle them, and we had different priorities. It was just so hard on so me. So you wrote a list, a letter. So this was when your family was gone Yeah. during the summer, and I was like, okay, I'm going to write this letter, and I'm going to close my eyes and try to remember what it said. Did you write it in your journal or no? We I, don't have it anymore, do we? I don't think so yeah i don't think we do if i ever come upon that letter oh my crazy. goodness just to see exactly how i said it because i did not sugarcoat it at all mm -hmm. so i think what i said was michael things have to change you are working too much and you're not making enough money you are not supporting your family you are not listening to me when I say I'm not happy here. You're not, you're not, you keep brushing off whenever I say this is a problem or that's a problem because it's not a problem to you. You don't justify it as a problem for me, even though it is a huge problem for me. Um, James isn't getting the attention I think he should from you you're gone too much you're working so hard but you're not making the money it's not working I'm about to have another baby and I know you can't support us I know you can't because if you don't change what you're doing we won't have the food we need and I'll have to go back to my parents so this is your final warning change now get a real job or i'm going back to utah and i'm not we're not going to be together anymore dun 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 <laughs> that's scary yeah just listening to you say that now i'm kind of scared a little bit <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm sure it's bringing back some feelings, you know. Yeah. Well, I, I, I don't. Do you remember how I reacted? I don't remember specifically. I I set the stage pretty well, saying, "Hey, this is gonna hurt. It's not gonna be easy. I'm about to tell you you're not perfect. Basically, I'm about to tell you that a lot of really hard things, but I don't want to rebuttal." I, in fact, I said this very clearly before. I said, do not fight me. Yeah. I have this list that I have written out and I'm not joking. I'm yeah. so serious right now. If you try to fight me on any of these subjects or if you try to defend yourself and keep going the way we're going, we're not going to be together. And I was just so serious and clear. Yeah. Like it was not working. It wasn't working. And I had had my fill beyond my fill. You know what I mean? Like working up on the property, that was hard. That was really difficult. And he agreed. But the problem with this was it was hard and it was really difficult for me. And he didn't agree. He didn't think it was hard. He thought it was okay. It was. But I could see that it was hurting me. I could see that it was hurting you. And I could see that uh, some of the you know, feelings you were getting from my family were, were, you could say abusive, toxic. It wasn't toxic. Good. Yeah. It, and, and they weren't abusing me, but I am a very emotional person and I pick up on a lot of people's emotions around me and it wasn't good what was happening. Yeah. And I just couldn't handle it. Yeah. I want to say I went out and got a job right away. And you, if you were to say that, you would be right. <laughs> I, I just didn't want to say something. I'd be like, no, that is not how you reacted. Well, because I think that's how I reacted, but I don't remember exactly. So what happened was you realized my seriousness. Yeah, I did. And you realized you were going to lose me. And I knew that you were right. Oh, <laughs> that's sad. <laughs> You were right, though. You were absolutely right. And what you did was the right thing because I wasn't listening to no. you. And, and I should have been. A letter was the only way to like just get get across all my points. We were both very um, stubborn. And to bring up a conversation at that point in our marriage where everything was already stressful, he would just fight me or defend his stance and it wasn't listening it was okay but this you right. know always a rebuttal always a i remember being defend defending himself i remember being really frustrated that you couldn't deal that i couldn't just be happy yeah like i remember being frustrated because i was working my butt off and i wasn't yeah. making money i wanted to make i remember being frustrated and i just wasn't the, satisfied and i was like what do you want me to do? What? I'm a terrible salesman. I'm doing my best. You were like, like what more can I do? Right. You couldn't physically I, do more. You right. had to do something different. Right. And I remember being really frustrated that you were so mad at me and it was nothing that I could do to change. So every time we brought up anything that I was unhappy with, he just shut me down well, and said, be quiet. I, I'm doing my best. Doing Leave me best alone. Back off. Right. Lay off me. Right. <laughs> So, but after I got that letter, I I think that was the point where I finally clicked in my mind and I said, okay, look, for the last year and a half, I've been doing sales jobs. I did door-to-door sales, selling security (laughs) systems. Let's count. I sold Cutco. I did the door-to-door sales for Black Tie Research. I sold Isagenix. And you sold Cutco again. 
and I still cut Kogan. That's but, five. Right. Sales jobs, and I was just not cutting it. I'm no. not a good salesman. It never was good. I tried my best. You really did. And I was not a good salesman. And I think that that, that was a hard hit when I gave you that And you letter. said, look, go get a real job. You'll be making a lot more money yep. just working 40 hours a week. Yep. And you'll get to see the family more. Mm-hmm. We'll, be, we'll have a secure paycheck that's going to come no matter what because you work, period. And it was at that point that I was like, okay, I really have been dreading the thought of getting a real job. But if it, if it would make us both happy and if it'll make you happier and we'll finally have the money we want, then I'm just going to buckle down and grow up and do it. Let's be honest. You were not in love with a sales job. You were in love with the idea of what the best salesman in the company, what their job with was. With the freedom that with comes freedom, with being successful. With the money, with right. the promises that never got fulfilled when we, when you were actually doing right. it. You were not necessarily in love with being a salesman. You right. were in love with That's the true. idea of a successful salesman. Absolutely. <sighs> Right. I wanted the wild success, the, you know, selling hundreds Man. of thousands of dollars and yep. being the record breaker in the company. Like I wanted that so bad yeah. and I worked so hard and just and absolutely it just failed. did not work. But it's interesting now though, <sighs> looking back because we can look back on all of our experiences and see how it was better though because of it. Like because of that, it led me to go get a real job. Oh, yeah. And that led me you, to the next thing. You are the type me. of personality that you had to hit desperation before you made a logical choice. <laughs> <laughs> Even now, I am. You are. It's true. Even now, it's like if I'm not feeling desperation, I don't work very hard. <laughs> if I'm not like, oh, my gosh, we have to do this and we have to do it right now. Yeah. And, and it's a character flaw. I recognize that. But I am I feel like I'm getting better. It also works well for YouTube because YouTube changes all the time. So there's always desperation. <laughs> <laughs> but um, anyway. First I just, thought, but I could just see that there's been a progress. Like th- yeah. these are lessons that I had to learn. And yeah. I did. And I moved on. And I'm better for it. Totally. Well, yeah. even just talking about this, I'm like almost about to burst into tears. Just because... I gave him the letter and and I I wasn't joking when I was like it w- I will divorce you. Like no. I, I from that point I gave him the letter and I watched him to see what he would do. If he chose to continue doing his sales job, I would call my parents and say come get me. I'm done. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> and if you chose to do what I said, what I was okay with, which was a real job, which would take, give us so much relief. Um, then I would just stick it out and it would, I knew eventually it would be okay if you could make that change. And so you, I think it was the very next day you were like, okay, I'm done with, I'm done (laughs) with isogenics. You're done with every every sales job, but, but you're like, okay, I'm done with Cutco. And now I'm looking for a job. And we immediately went to a ward party. And at the ward party, the bishop of our church, he actually worked at the temple in Orlando, Florida for our church. And he had a sales, or not a sales, he had a position open. Yeah. And and his wife said, hey, you should have Michael just volunteer. Yeah. And if he does that, then he'll probably get hired yeah. to start working. And so... I went to the bishop and said, hey, I need a job. 
I'm ready to start. Can I even just volunteer for a day and just show you how how committed I am to making this happen? Uh, and I didn't realize that's what you did. I didn't remember. All I knew was that I felt huge relief yeah. because I I love you. And I love you. And I loved you then. And I didn't want to leave. The I thing didn't... is, I remember when you gave me that letter and I remember reading it and I never for once thought, wow, we're going to get a divorce. Like that thought never crossed my mind because I wasn't willing to even consider that option. Yeah. And I knew that you loved me. Yeah. And I knew that as long as I was willing to do what it took to make you happy, that we'd be fine. And, and so I did. And I wasn't like being a diva. No, you I wasn't weren't. being you weren't at all. greedy. I wasn't trying to like say if it's not my way, it's the highway. <laughs> like I wasn't being no, a you jerk. You I just I knew that it wasn't working what right. we were what you were doing. And, and I wasn't listening. And, and it was the only way you could get my attention. And and I it wasn't only for me too. Like it, I was seriously considering about how like the kids were being raised by me only yeah. and how they didn't have clothes that they needed. They didn't have baby things that they needed. They didn't, I we, I was about to have a baby and I didn't have 90% of the things that I needed to have a baby because guess what? We sold them we all. We sold them all <laughs> on the yard sale. Right. So I was desperate. I was seriously desperate yeah. and thinking, I don't know how this is gonna work. So you went, you volunteered and you got that job. Yep, got hired right on the spot And it was, the best that was the change that was the that turning was the point. turning point absolutely that was the turning point when you were like i have to be more responsible yep i have to grow up i have it's time to grow up i basically. can't keep doing what i just want to do because i want to do it i have to bite the bullet and get a job and part of that was me saying i'm not going to let you do whatever you want to do from this point on because now you have two kids and you got to deal with the consequences I didn't have of two it kids at the time, but about, did. yeah it was close it was only a couple months after you got that temple it job was. that we had Corbin. You're right. But it was, yeah. and it was a good job. And you loved it. I honestly, <laughs> I feel like I love, I fall in love with any job that I have. Well, like there's a, okay, let me, <laughs> let me rephrase that. Like I can find joy in any job. I'm never going to be like, oh, I love going to work. Yeah. But I can be like, I have to work. That's not cool. Like I hate this, but. I at least have fun while I'm there. Well, and I think a huge part of that was all of a sudden you had a paycheck and that it was, was a great. good one. That felt really good. You got a real paycheck yeah. and you were like, holy cow, what have I been doing with my life? I was like, hey, this is really good. And it and, keeps coming. And it just keeps coming. As long as you work, it keeps coming. And with sales jobs, that did not happen. Yep. As long as you worked, that didn't guarantee a thing. That's right. <sighs> And I really like that job too. Man, like, I feel like I'm going through all of these emotions all over again. Not to the extent by any means. Like, kind of like in fast forward, like you're watching the movie. Yes. But I'm like crying with my own emotions. Crying and, and With laughing. my own memories. You know, like that. It was a, tr it was a hard time. Yeah. And that was a hard. Even me just getting to the point of having the realization that, oh my goodness, I can't be with him. Like, yeah. and I, and that has to be an option for me. Otherwise I'll go crazy yeah. and I will be unhappy for the rest of my life. That was a really hard realization. And I cried a lot when I wrote that letter. It was not an easy thing for me. Like, it was not like, I'm going to tell him. Like, I, it wasn't anything like that. It was like, this is how I, and I was like praying too. I was like, what do I say? What do I say? And I just felt like 
Tell him how you actually feel. Tell him what you're really experiencing. Yeah. All the things that he's not listening to, say it. Yep. <sighs> I'm glad you did. I am too, or else we, there's no way we would be. It needed to happen. Honestly, I don't think we would be together because we wouldn't have communicated. Right. We wouldn't have gotten to a point of communication where we could actually move forward. Well, I'm glad you had enough love for me to stick with me as long as you did and be willing to be patient through my learning process. You know, like that's that I, we really do truly have real love for each other. Yeah. And, and that I was willing to say, you're right. I'm sorry. I've not been listening to you and I need to change and it's time for me to go get a job. And even though I didn't want to, I knew he had listened to me after that letter because all the previous times that I had tried to talk to him about these sensitive things, his reaction would be like, oh, and I'm going to defend myself or, oh, I'm going to talk back. I'm going to have all these rebuttals. It was all always rebuttals. But after that letter, he was silent, just silent. And I made it very clear that's how I wanted it to be. I did <laughs> not want him talking back to me. Don't you dare talk back. <laughs> like I was just like, no. And so he just was silent and he I think we talked a little bit about a few things and then he just walked away and I think he had some quiet time to himself yeah. and I probably prayed because he realized that how the how desperate the situation was I just don't think that you ever realized how how desperate the situation well, how um before reading the letter is how severe right how well, you're right upset I was how right. I don't know what's a good word for it Serious? How serious I was. Well, right. And when I read the letter, it it illustrated just how serious you were. And yeah. it got me on the same page. I, I don't think I hesitated very much because I knew that I didn't want you to leave. Yep. And I still loved you. And I just had to grow up and get a job. Yeah. And I could do it. And I, and I, I think I prayed just to be able to do that and yeah. to have the strength to do it. And move on. Yeah. And up to that point, I think a lot of to the blame, there was a lot of blame, I think, involved in not having success yet. Yeah. And I think some of that blame you would put on me and say, hey, you're not working. You have no right to complain. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm the one trying to make the money here. So you can't if he has a very hard time, like if he's the one working and I'm correcting his working, he can't handle <laughs> that. That's like how dare you correct me when you're not even working? Yeah. But I was so, like, I was sick again being pregnant by that yeah. time with Corbin. And I had a toddler and I was home all day because I had to be. We had to be. We had to have somebody watch the baby. And Michael's family wasn't up for that. Yeah. So it was me. And he was still in this mindset of, it's not fair, I have to work. And you don't. But I was like, yes, I do. <laughs> I have a baby I'm taking care of and I'm sick all the time. But working at the temple was a great job. I just yeah. remember how much I really enjoyed working with my he, bishop. It was a night and day change in our relationship and in our personalities, our happiness. Yeah. I remember, <sighs> so I'd go to work at like six o'clock in the morning. I'm even sighing right now because I feel like it's just the relief is coming back to me too. And I was like, all the stress, all the worry, all of You're the... really reliving those emotions. Oh. Like you really are. See how emotional I am? <laughs> See how like uh, empathy, that's a thing for me. Like yeah. I'm having empathy for myself at that time. <laughs> <laughs> and for you and every... Oh, that was hard. Anyways, um, Temple. I remember it was a I'd, good job. Yeah, I'd, I'd go to work at like 6 o'clock in the morning or something or yep. 5.30 or 6. Yep. 
Um, and I remember the first thing we'd always do is we'd read a chapter from the scriptures. Which was awesome. And I was on the grounds crew. Job. Like I didn't work inside the temple. I worked outside. I worked on keeping the gardens and picking Power up trash washing. and pulling weeds and trimming the hedges. Leaf blowing. Yeah. And like it was hard manual labor every day. But we'd always start off the day by reading a chapter from the scriptures together. Yep. And then we'd talk about what we're going to do that day. Mm-hmm. And it was like, yes, it was hard manual labor, but it was like peaceful and serene because we were on the temple grounds all day and it's just gorgeous beautiful i'll have to on youtube i'll have to put an image of the orlando temple where i worked every single day and it was just like we were living in the garden of eden and working (laughs) and building and feeling the spirit of god and like you just felt it was a very serene good job it was it was really oh what a good job for you to have picked for your first official real (laughs) job right it was a great job like (sighs) even looking back i have fond memories of that job and the good times that i had with the co-workers that i had there and yeah like we had we had good times yep Um, lots of funny stories that we don't want to talk about there's only (laughs) one specifically that you'll never forget (laughs) but you had a good time every day you came home in a good and i would come home at like 2 30 yeah because I'd, I'd go to work really early. I'd yeah. come home really early and I'd have like the whole day and we could go to the beach oh, or we could do fun stuff. What a stuff. relief. That was a huge change from 70 hours a week, not ever seeing him. It was awesome. Oh, man. It was great. Yeah. But um, I think that's it for today's podcast. Yes. So tune in next week. We're going to talk about Corbin and the whole healthcare system of Orlando, oh, Florida. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and you keep reminding me about all the drama in my life. I'm like, holy well, cow. Like, like, you know what's funny, though? I really am the type of person. You wouldn't know it from this podcast so far. Let me just say that. But I am the type of person that I will experience something hard and put it past me and move on. Right. I won't focus on it. I won't use it as a crutch. I'm not I'm not constantly saying, oh, you know, I can't move forward in my life because this terrible thing happened to me. Like that is not me. So to relive these things is actually kind of difficult for me. It's not comfortable. It's not normal for me. So just know that even though in this podcast, it seems like I'm complaining all the time or I'm unhappy all the time. That's actually not how it is. (laughs) So next week, we're going to be talking about Corbin and his birth and the whole doctor's experience. And that was a whole ordeal in and of itself. But and a big reason why we decided it was time to, to move, move back, back to Utah. Yep. <laughs> so we'll talk about all that next week. Make sure to stay tuned. <sighs> Subscribe on YouTube if you're watching uh, Beach Theory on YouTube. Or you can follow us anywhere you find podcasts. Yes. And the reason why you'd want to watch our YouTube channel for Beach Theory is we're going to be inserting pictures and little videos yeah, that we started we at that time. YouTube videos. Every just- episode. Yes. I want to do it on every episode. So make sure to watch those because it's a really good detailed history of our life. Or if you listen, that's fun too. Yes. So Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Anywhere that you can Anchor, find a podcast. We are there. Yes. And having so much fun doing it. Oh, I just had a single tear pop out of my eye from this conversation. Cute. Randomly. Let me wipe that for you. Thanks. Maybe you just smeared it. That's what wiping is. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All Thanks right. for watching, you guys. We'll see you guys next week. All right. Bye. Bye.